Hey, how's everybody doing out there? What's up, everybody? So, uh, this is our political podcast. The, it's called uh, The Canadian Perspective. That's right. And today we'll be covering anti-mask rallies in Steinbach, some hot mics in Parliament, and protests in Peru. Yeah. The spiciest stories of today, I guess. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they are pretty spicy. Very. Very. They got the uh, cayenne. It, it, it seems like uh, an Italian chef cooked it up. Or an Indian chef, much much better. That would be more accurate. They use a lot more spices than well, yeah, the curry. Italians. Yeah. Yeah. We immediately went into race here. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, we're going, we're going to be talking about like left-wing so it's all good. It's all good. We're with you guys. So the first story on the agenda today is the Steinbeck anti-mask rally. Yeah. Which occurred uh, last Saturday on November 14th. How many uh, people? Uh, it seems about 500 people gathered there. For, uh, for Hugs Over Masks Rally. <laughs> that's, well, that's the name. <laughs> that's such a f***ing dumb name. Uh, you're not supposed to swear in the first city. Ah, we can bleep that out. F*** it. Okay. <laughs> so they had, since April, to come up with the good anti-mask pandemic name. And they came up with Hugs Over Masks. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they did. It's a bit of a fail, to be honest. Personally, I think that's the bigger story. Because if you think about a hug, masks <laughs> hug your face. So in a way, this what, is, what are a you very, talking about, it's Cole? a very hypocritical title, is all I'm saying. Oh, okay. So anyways, in light of this, Steinbeck has currently been experiencing a surge in cases of coronavirus. Yep. As of the November 14th article, which this is from, mm. from CTV News. It's already a couple days ago. That's right. Uh, they had 263 active cases and 14 deaths. So and one of the hot spots of Canada too. That's right. The entirety of Canada. Really? Yeah. Holy shit. Well, this is, explains a lot. Yeah. <laughs> sure as hell <laughs> explains, explains a lot. Attitude, at least. So one of the people there. I mean, we had multiple people speaking at the event. Uh, a pastor, a former chiropractor, mm -hmm. the reeve of the rural municipality, yep. and other community members. So the reeve, in particular, by the name of Lewis Weiss. Now, a reeve for those who are unfamiliar is basically the mayor of the rural municipality yeah so he was elected and and the municipality in question is Labraquery. yeah so a bit of a french area and so this this dude spoke at the event and if you just want to know some more information about him uh, he was an open skeptic and conspiracy theorist apparently that's right of the pandemic and the plandemic Yes, he has referred to it as a pandemic, and in, plandemic. A, in the November 5th regular meetings of the, the Laboratory Council, he's quoting as, as saying, quote, I don't believe the numbers. I don't see anybody sick on my left or my right. And if they are telling us now that you can have the virus without symptoms, well, then it is not a very serious virus. And the problem with that is if the people were sick, they weren't at his left or right. They're at home. Or how, did he, how would he know if they yeah. don't have symptoms? Or how would they know? So, which is just a fucking dumb, it's a dumb quote all around. Now, his statement doesn't end there. He also went on to say, quote, I don't know what the plan is, what the game is, or what the governments around the world are doing, but whatever it is, they are certainly doing it together. A few countries around the world are not in this, and interestingly enough, for them, the pandemic is over. Which is bullshit. So I, I just want... It's, it's just specifically bullshit. I would like to ask him what specific nations he's yeah. referring to. Is he referring to um, 
uh, Sweden. I don't think they did uh, terrible. Yeah, but they still um, are having COVID lockdown. cases. Yeah, but they were they had COVID outbreak there. Yeah, but what does he they mean by the lockdown. pandemic is over for the places not participating? Like, what does that mean? If there's some conspiracy, wouldn't they, those countries just have no cases? Yeah. Yeah. So what, what is this guy on about? I, I don't know. Is he talking about the U.S.? Because the fucking uh, pandemic there is like skyrocketing, right? Right. The and cases are just and going And probably up. the most likely not participating. Them and uh, Brazil, right? That's right. Yeah. I don't know. That's Brazil's right. bad too. Bolsonaro got COVID. Ironic. <laughs> Ironically. And so did Trump, eh? Yeah, Trump got COVID. So speakers at the event also claimed that local news covering the rally were spreading government propaganda and said media is, quote, media is the worst virus of them all, end quote. And even the former chiropractor, as we know, chiropractors are the pinnacle of scientific research yep. in health. Yep. And, you know, go, you should always visit a chiropractor first before you get any real medical advice yeah that's right <laughs> uh, of not course shitting on chiropractors but yeah they're not the whole practice isn't based on science right that's right there was a lot of quackery yeah involved and it's considered alternative medicine yeah so he even said quote the mainstream media has abandoned the people end quote now it's not surprising that you know that uh he'll say such a thing no and of course immediately following the end of the rally Weiss and uh, other people who attended the event received tickets uh, for violating public health orders. In fact, Weiss himself re received the highest possible fine, which is $1,200. And apparently, I think Brian Pallister made a statement yeah. that they're sending tickets through the mail. Really? So those who were identified as being at the event are also going to receive tickets in the mail. And they weren't wearing masks, so it's pretty easy to identify them. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. And also their vehicles were there. Yeah. So the provincial conservation officer who was there, he could easily have read the license plates and, yeah. and what figured it out. Like, I, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Why is everybody so against masks here? Like uh, my, my buddy um, in my band, he, uh, he works at a grocery store uh -huh. and he was wearing a mask because that's literally uh, what you do. So you don't get COVID when you're working with the public mm -hmm. and people would literally call him a sheeple. And call him out and yell at him. <laughs> That's how aggressive these people are. It's part of the disinformation. And, and what is the end goal of making the population wear masks? What would the end goal be other than preventing the spread of a virus? How does that result in a, uh, a takeover or like there is no motive? It, it, it um, makes it possible or it proves that the, that the state has control over your mind. If they're able to make you do dumb shit. That's what they think. It's like a 1984 type thing. But they make the population believe that it's 2 plus 2 equals 5, right? That's, that's basically the argument. But the thing is, if the off chance that there is actually a pandemic or a plandemic, um, wouldn't wearing a mask help you anyways? And if it's not true, then you're just looking silly. But at least you're uh, protecting yourself off the off chance that it is. As you would expect yeah. for people so hostile to health officers and the media, yeah. the, the conservation officer on the scene issuing the tickets was yelled at, honked at, and berated by rally attendees um, who surrounded the personnel and the media. They surrounded the media, too. They were oh. actively... Uh, so they're trying to scare the media, too. Right. Fuck, man. And apparently one person appeared to 
attempt to back his car into one of the provincial officers. Okay, that guy should be arrested. Well, I don't think he was. Anyways, but people did show up to the rally that were pro-mask. Yeah, so there are counter-protests. That's right. As well. One person had their car was covered in like uh, health suggestions. <laughs> Like wearing masks, recommendations, vaccinated, and yeah. all that stuff, and then the, the the police had to say like you're gonna have to leave because you might incite a violent, a violent response yeah. or something, yeah, property damage. Yeah, that's fair. That's mm-hmm. that's a fair point. Right. I mean, lots of these people are also like um, anti-vaxxers. I mean, honestly, as well, like those are the type of people that are um, calling this a pandemic. They just don't believe in our healthcare. I mean, to be honest, really dumb fucks. <laughs> For the dumbest fucking people on earth. And I, I agree. I, I would have to yeah. agree with that statement. They are dumb fucks. You agree with Alex on this? Yeah, I do. Uh, <laughs> so, continuing with this, the coronavirus news, we also had, well, we had a story lined up from last week about the predicament that happened in the Maple's uh, long-term care home. Basically, it got worse. <laughs> yeah, apparently it got, it got much worse. Patients there, or I'm sorry, residents there, not yeah. getting enough care. Several ambulances had to be called. Yep. Uh, on that Friday night, two I weeks ago. I think six ambulances, right? In total, yeah. eventually. Uh, over the they only for- sent two originally, but... Yeah, yeah, over the 48 hours. And according to, to people on the scene, that a lot of the residents there were dehydrated, underfed, and the, the union said that they did not have a full staff at the time. And it was only two healthcare officials per... 100 yeah patients which is unbelievably terrible <laughs> and to go along with that we also have some info that all residents at Pasquayak care home tested positive for COVID-19 prop- prompting an expanded lockdown all of them and there's like 40 some people in it yeah which so, is pretty crazy a lot of these places are actually um actually rely on uh family members and friends to uh, prov- help provide the care. But uh, as you all know, in this pandemic and in the code red that we are currently in, that is not a possibility. They had 48 staff members for 28 residents. And of course, in this case, all 28 residents got COVID and 13 of the staff members also got COVID. Yeah, which is unfortunate too. So that's not good. Yeah, the, the long-term care home situation for cor- the pandemic has been some of the severe most severe problems yeah well that because they're all in contact with each other in one uh one form right right because the staff are all working together so they're all in contact with with each other and then the patients are also in contact with the staff which means that it's a whole network of contact basically and how can you social distance when uh, you have to feed somebody or you have to do like hands-on care right can't social distance lots of that no you can't because you literally have to get it close Hands to on. feed them yeah it, it's it's just ridiculous that's pretty bad it's pretty bad and and i just also want to mention that another long-term care home that had a similar issue yep parkview place also had another outbreak as well now something to mention that parkview place and maples are both by owned by the same private company rivera yeah. and so rivera apparently has also had problems in other provinces as well. In yeah. fact, a, a lawsuit is being brought against them in Ottawa and Kitchener um, that they didn't properly sanitize the facility or... Well, they don't have enough staff to properly do it. Well, that's neither right? here nor there. The fact that they didn't have proper sanitation protocols or testing for residents. Yeah. And also 22 people have died in the Maples 
care home since the outbreak started. Now, so the way this company is run is literally killing people in this pandemic. It appears so. That's that's what the numbers are showing. That's what the story is saying, basically. And the fact that they lied, they lied after after they made a statement about yep. the care home predicament, I think on Monday, they said that in that care home they had full staff capacity and then the and which is the lie because the union yep. stated that that wasn't true. Yeah. So they were fact-checked uh, and proven to be lying. So unfortunately, the number of residents presiding at the Naples long-term care home remains elusive to me. Yeah, we can't find it, unfortunately. But just to get an idea of how many are there, 125 residents at Maples have tested positive for COVID-19, including seven who are still considered active. Yep. Uh, 32 residents have died from COVID and 56 staff members so far have tested positive. 30 of them are active. So that's just an idea of how many people are there. Yeah. It's a, it's a bigger place than you might think. That's right. So continuing on with, with just some, some, some headlines, uh, we had 15 COVID-19 deaths on Saturday, which is a new record for, for Manitoba, yeah. unfortunately. And a record 494 COVID-19 cases were reported in Manitoba on Sunday. Fantastic. Uh, something else to mention. Something to be proud of, I guess. Eh? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but uh, I think if you look at the rate of COVID-19 active cases. Yep. So that, that's number of active cases per 100,000 of the population. Yeah, per capita. That's right. In each of the, of the provinces, Manitoba is number one. Yeah. From the last time I checked, we were at 494 active cases. Which probably has changed. Probably has changed. I really like the protests uh, so as of at his house. <laughs> They're so good. That's right. They're yeah, so yeah the graves. Yeah. The gravestones, man. They had uh, the Grim Reaper there. Yeah. I love that. I love that so much. So an update on those numbers, actually. Manitoba currently has a rate of 519 COVID-19 cases per 100,000. And the closest to us in second place is Alberta with four, 230. 230? That's so Alberta's double closest. Than we are double the rate in Alberta, which is second place. Now, back to the... Um beginning of the pandemic we were one of the fucking best places in canada for this we had the best mm-hmm. rate we were down to like one case i think for a couple of days we even had zero cases and then brian pallister opened up um travel into the province and lo and behold now we're the worst fucking place to uh for it was, covid it was the fourth phase reopening yeah of the reopening program and which i don't think anyone wanted I think it, it occurred at the end of August. Uh, there's a little graph here that I'm looking at yeah. that shows a tiny bump after the mid of August. And that little bump goes into the beginning of September. And then from September, it gradually goes up and up and up. And then it skyrockets from, from October. It just shoots up. So that's so unfortunate. So what does that say? What happened in September? Well, it hit critical mass. Enough well, people got the virus and it wasn't contained properly because I think we were in the fourth phase. Yep. And school. School started. That's what I'm saying. School this, happened. That's right. And I guess a lot of those kids got it at school and brought it home to their parents. That's what, that's what I believe happened. I mean, it makes sense. Um, the time of I, year. I don't know about the... Well, the numbers show that. So there's a correlation there. I don't know if it's causation. So basically, schools open up. Kids are going back to school. Then all of a sudden you, you can't social distance kids, right? That's that's like that's too hard to do. I would also like to point out Saskatchewan also saw a giant spike starting 
with a tiny bump in September and then skyrocketing from October. Same thing happened to Alberta, albeit with less emphasis. Their numbers did skyrocket uh, exactly at that point. BC saw the same thing. So it appears that every province beginning in October saw an increase. Ontario, it's it's numbers from the beginning of the school year. Yeah. Only recently have outmatched their first phase, the first wave of... of, Which was pretty bad. Yes, for for Ontario particularly. Quebec, on the other hand, has not seen that spike. But my, my point about the schools is you can't social distance children. So like under grade eight or even let's say grade four, those kids aren't going to be social distance. They're not going to listen to the teacher when the teacher tells them to be social distance. Then you go into like grade seven and eight when people are trying to be rebels, you're not going to be able to fucking social distance them because they're just not going to listen to you. And if you don't have a teacher that's able to um, step in and enforce it, which is harder than it it seems because you're basically looking after 23 kids, right? Now, what they're doing, what I know what they're doing, at least in high schools, is they're having half the class, half... That's the the idea. Half the class shows up one day, and then the other day, the other half shows up. I think they're closed down now. Fully closed down? Yeah. I believe so. Okay. Anyways, yeah, so there's a couple things that happens. Like, you... uh, you were in coordinates, like every grade was sort of separated, and then they were also separated into quadrants. So they weren't, they're were sort of social distanced, kind of. There's a group of them. So if one group got COVID, the whole place wouldn't get it. But the problem is, there's kids, still like kids. 20, 20 kids. If one kid comes, 20 kids are now in contact with the virus, and then they go home and they, uh, spread that virus onto their families and then it goes to their grandparents and now everybody's getting sick and now since you have like 20 people all those are if all every single one of those 20 people infect five people in their family then that's a hundred and um that's a hundred cases and then if those hundred cases uh contact other people and contact like five more people each then that gets to 500 and that's how this is spreading so you need to confine it you can't have schools open because you're not going to be able to social distance, distance them the same way you're going to be able to social distance someone in a office, per se, office setting. That's correct. Um, High school students, same thing. Anyways, but go, considering with the corona information, yep. we had Pfizer announce they had a, a vaccine in the works that according to its right. early preliminary testing that it was 90-something percent accurate. 94. 94% accurate in, in uh, getting rid of COVID. Effectiveness. And Moderna just announced that it has a vaccine in the works that appears to be 94.5% effective. Yeah. So, oh, uh, sorry, Pfizer's was 90% and uh, Moderna's was 94.5% yep. effective. Now, these are all, of course, these vaccines have not been officially released. No. So these numbers- We bought them, though. Are questionable. Yeah, we did. Canadian government did order a shitload. Yep. Yeah, they did. Um, so these these companies have also had problems in the past about lying. Pfizer is known that they have the record high for healthcare fraud payouts. In fact, it was two point three billion dollars US mm-hmm. for making illegal marketing claims. So their claim that their vaccine is ninety some percent effective should be taken with a grain of salt. Yes. Considering their their track record. 
we we have to see proof first before I can uh, 100% believe that this uh, vaccine works. And also, something to keep in mind with the Moderna's announcement they is that released anything. Moderna hasn't released an product. actual product since their formation in 2010. Which is pretty normal, I guess, for... Uh, I have no idea. Well, it, it takes a long time for uh, drugs to get, well, to get on the market. They have to pass through so many um, doors, right? Hmm. To make sure that they're safe. So they haven't released the actual product yet, but they're uh, working on a vaccine and also claim that theirs is more effective than the uh, Pfizer's. Right. And no, another red flag with Moderna and Pfizer is that they were selling shares shortly after yeah. announcing vaccines. The Pfizer chief executive sold $5.6 million in shares due to the pandemic. His stocks skyrocketed 450% and he made $5.6 million off of it. Right. And people are calling or are basically saying that that's unethical and that's not okay to do. It's going off some red flags. The fact that executives at Moderna and Pfizer are selling millions worth in shares, I mean, right after their announcement. Hundreds of of millions. Moderna sold 100 million worth in the last uh, few months. That's right. So after... announcement of their vaccine's effectiveness is very suspect. But we also have to be honest when we say that they were operating under a rule that was put in place by in 2000 to allow uh, company employees to sell shares without facing insider trading charges. So basically they set up the price that they're going to sell the shares for yeah. and who they're going to sell them to. These are called future options, by the way. Yes. If you want to look more into it. So these things are decided months before the actual sale. Yeah. So that way, it's, it limits the amount of insider information that could potentially... Yes, yes, that's, that's true. Um, this was... Uh, their announcement was... Uh, I don't know. It's just interesting that the announcement occurred before the sale of the shares. And the fact that, obviously, they were, they've been working on this vaccine for many, many months. Yeah, so they knew the vaccine was coming out, and then they knew that um, their shares would go up, and now they're selling. It's like the insider information there seems like a bit sketchy. There might be it's not like insider they're leaving information. The co- it, yeah, it seems like there's insider information. Anyways. Anyways, coinciding with the pandemic and the shutdown, the NEP proposed on November 5th a motion to tax the wealthy, to put in place a 1% wealth tax on yep. wealth over $20 million, and also to tax excess profits of big corporations due to the coronavirus pandemic, because some mm. corporations made bank from this whole ordeal due, due to the virtue of how their businesses ran. Yeah, just like the Pfizer example. Right, and, right. and delivery companies, Amazon in particular. Yep. So... Their direct opposition motion, it was titled Opposition Motion Tax Measures to Support Canadians, stated that Canadian billionaires are $37 billion richer, while the most vulnerable are struggling during the economic shutdown and the pandemic, and they are calling on a 1% wealth tax, a 1% tax on wealth over $20 million. So this, the nature of this wealth tax means that it's not income, something that no. we should make clear. It's income not tax. income. It is a wealth tax, meaning that if you have assets on your property, such as your house or um, uh, cars. cars or something or the Whatever, other, your boats, your yachts, that's over $20 million, <laughs> they will tax company, you 1% even. of that. Yep. So 
just keep that in mind. And also, they didn't exactly define what excess profits were on big corporations. I think that would be a, a to be announced af- if the motion passed. Yeah, they would have to figure that out. They also stated that the amount of revenue recouped from these taxes should be put towards, and they listed three of their main policy mm-hmm. proposals that the, the NEP has been working towards for a since, while since the for 80s. A while. Guaranteed uh, livable income. That's right. Is uh, they wanted that they wanted to expand healthcare to include uh, national dental care as well as a universal single payer uh, public uh, pharmacare program, uh, and the last one was uh, what was it a uh, housing program for uh, Aboriginals, low income housing program yeah. built specifically for the Indigenous population. Yeah, so all so, those are good things, but it's very good kind things. of heavy uh, heavy handedly loaded the bill. Well, yes, we'll, we'll discuss that. So yeah, the motion was defeated weird. yesterday. Unfortunately. Uh, with 27 yes votes, all of them NDP and green seats, and one independent, Marwan Sabara. We can discuss uh, that individual. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll talk about him later. And 292 no Which were from everyone all, else. All yes. conservative and all liberal. And all except, bloc Quebecois. And all bloc, um, except for our Marwan. No, but he's independent. Well, now he's independent, but yeah. So this bill or this motion, uh, I should say, uh, opposition motion was very heavy, heavy handed. Um, yeah, it's not surprising that it got 292 no votes. I, I think strategically they should have left out the the policy measures that they were into, the, the universal basic income, pharmaceutical program. They should have just gone for the wealth tax yeah. Yeah. alone. Yeah. That has a much higher chance of passing. Because the liberals are on, on board with the pharmacare program. You don't have to sh- put that in there. No. So it's a question why the leadership would, would have the motion contain those things if the main, the main objective was to get the wealth tax passed. I just find that interesting. It's sort of like you're, uh, you, can't, you can't heavy hand it like right. that. It's because uh, someone that doesn't believe in these, uh, um, these issues these solutions uh is going to see this and be like oh fuck that's way too crazy i can't i can't vote for that right it's kind of like right that's too socialist is what they they would be thinking right so it's very strange why they would even even if you believe it which i think all these things are good things uh they should be dealt with in separate instances like separate votes for each issue not uh all put into one because then someone can say that's too much that's too much i have to vote against it every item on that motion all three of is them massive, are massive fight subjects. Yeah. Massive, big deal fight subjects. That's not just going to get suddenly passed. So I question, was this a PR stunt? But nobody really pays attention. No one At pays least, attention to the bills. It's very few people do. Well, it's a motion, but still, what I happens know, but exactly still, in Parliament? Same thing. Even less so for motions. Yeah. It's just strange. So no, no one really watches it. Like C-SPAN today uh, had a question period, and I think 35 people people were watching one of them me yeah and i liked it i was <laughs> the only one people who, who did the like yeah so no one's listening right they yes. can get away with so much so i'm like why why would they use that as a pr stunt like what was the point of this i don't know and, and if it, it was one of the things on november 5th when the opposition could have you know propose bills and and motions mm-hmm. i don't know why they would blow it on some something that they knew wouldn't pass if they were unified uh more um 
or these or if these motions were unified more on just one issue and everybody was able to just push for this one issue that might be a little bit easier to get through and a little bit more easier to swallow because it's just one thing at a time now something else <laughs> a little interesting happened uh during shortly following after the vote the the liberal mp and sitting minister for women and gender equality and for rural economic development uh, miriam miriam monsef was caught on a hot mic commenting about her own salary after all members had voted. It was actually quite yeah. funny, and I will play the clip for you right now. Miss Wilson so, Raybold. The question they're going to ask me, how much do I make now? Like 250 I want to, I want to, I'm sorry, uh, Miss Raybold. I want to remind the honorable members to turn off their microphones when they're not voting. <laughs> All right, so that was caught uh, in the act. Yeah, so this this MP um, was basically referencing her um, her salary, right? How much she was making per year. And she's also a minister, right? Yes, yes, the cabinet minister. So uh, MP's uh, basic seasonal uh, salary is one hundred and eighty two thousand six hundred dollars a year, and then with an the additional salary of. $87,200 for being a cabinet minister, which totals out to uh, $269,800 a right. year. And the total. reason why this is a quarter over a quarter million. The reason why this is controversial is due to the idea that a member of the House, instead of thinking of what a tax measure could do for all Canadians, yep. and how it could benefit them, instead, she was thinking about how much she was making. And and potentially deciding her vote on that yep. metric, which so, is a bit disgusting. It's kind of the idea of corruption that we see in other nations that we detest. That's why this story is so juicy. Yeah. So it's a bit funny. All of them Fail. just start, started laughing at her, basically. I mean, that's what usually happens. Anytime any member asks, acts out of line or says something that's, that they find any objectionable, yeah. if they find objectionable, everybody just starts, you know, starts like talking and shit like yeah. classroom. Yeah, and apparently, no. seeing the clips from the British Parliament is even worse. Yeah, it's it's a British thing. I think you uh -huh. watch the American Senate and shit. It's so fucking dry. Right. Yeah. It's so dry. Whereas There's everyone no in the emotion. British one is shouting. But and then <laughs> the British one, they're all shouting at each other, making fun of each other, and yeah. uh, shouting insults. Like we had a like. There's a clip of Justin Trudeau back in the day when he still had that French mustache, and he know? shouted, "You piece of shit." No, he called someone a pussy. I think. Oh, he he's also, straight up. He straight he up called somebody a piece of shit. I think he's like, "You pussy, you piece of shit." He's like in the back of the room, just shouting this. Right, that conservative to, guy got up with yeah. grayish hair and he starts talking, and then you hear something in the background. Yeah, and then you can't really hear it. Yeah, but then everybody goes in uproar, and then he's yeah. like, "I would like to apologize." And he looks like Johnny Depp. Yeah, and he has to apologize after that. So like, that that's, that's our prime minister, our yeah. current prime minister back in the day. That was also he did though. like blackface and shit. So like, but still, that was the eighties. It's fine. No, no, we can't say that. We can't say that. It was not fine. So another, another story that we had on the agenda potentially was a massive leak yeah. from the RCMP's fucking crazy, internal man. communications spying on you. obtained by uh, a media company by the name of yeah. Fatayi, which I looked into them, and according to the, the bias, media bias website, mm -hmm. they are center-left in bias, but factual reporting is high. Mm -hmm. So they obtained this story, and it's just so interesting and, and unbelievable, really, 
it wouldn't do it justice to just have a minor segment in this large podcast based on it. So, no, so we're, we're going to do a special on it. Probably that's correct. Sometime. I don't know when we're going to release it. We have to plan it and do the research on it. But we'll, we'll be researching this Project Wide Awake, it's called, which is a reference to, what, what's it's a reference to, Cole? X-Men. The X-Men. So the program that the U.S. government had in the comic book X-Men was called Wide Awake. And that program consisted of, it was basically their plan to kill off mutants. To hunt down and kill mutants, right. Yeah. So now they, they named this project, uh, Project Wide Awake. And of course, this project is basically to spy on people. It's police spying on people. Right. It's very strange, almost like a mask off villain yeah. moment. Yeah. So the logo of this thing is a fucking eye, like the Illuminati, man. That's right. So we'll be covering Fucking this. Creepy. So we'll be covering the story in in detail in a different podcast. Yeah, that's so, about it. I just wanted to mention how fucking like gross this story. Like just the optics around it. It looks like they're trying to be super villains. That's correct. <laughs> that's correct, man. That is correct. That is correct. That's bad. It's bad. No, it's just fucking weird. Like, what? If you're trying to be evil, why would you just be like? Why would you make it look like it? Is what I'm saying. They, they, I think the culture and the intelligence community, and I saw this in the leaks that came out of Edward Snowden, some of the PowerPoints on PRISM and such, that they believe will be hidden and not seen by anybody outside of their programs. They are very loose-lipped in how their approach is. Yeah. They kind of don't care about the PR since it's all secret information. Yeah. So why would they be worried about that? Yeah. That's what I think but the it's, issue is. It's like, why would you name something about murdering mutants? Maybe they thought it was cool. <laughs> I don't know. I guess so. But it's just like, like I'm, not, a cons- nerd. I'm not being a conspiracy theorist here or anything. I'm not saying this is Illuminati or whatever. But I'm just saying, like, if you're trying to avoid the optics of that, why are you, why, why is the logo of this thing a fucking eye? I th- I'm not sure like if that was just the article. Was that just the article? No, it was the logo. That, it, was the, that in the PowerPoint? That was literally the logo. In the PowerPoint? Yeah. It's fucking crazy. Fucking crazy. It's called Project Wide Awake, man. Like, so yeah, we'll what are they going, trying to do? We'll what be getting into that. Do? We'll be getting into that in a different podcast. All right. So the Peruvian upheaval, the protests that were happening in Peru uh, just this week. Right. And I became aware of these through... I was scrolling through Reddit and I saw one of the subreddits that I follow. A everybody, video. Everybody loves Reddit. By a the way. video. Everybody loves that's Reddit. That's not true. Some people hate them. But. I, I actually hate Reddit. I can't stand the um, the format. Okay, I that's okay. I mean, that's cool. Um, so I saw a video Anyways. on one of them. I saw a video on one of them of of a melee happening between protesters and and riot police in Peru with you know tear gas flying over the place. You know, yeah. protesters are throwing bricks and then the cops are coming in and they're just beating the crap out of people. And it's, it's mirrors, very similar mirrors what happened in the George Floyd protests in the United States and also yeah. the, uh, um, the fair protests in Chile. So protests around the world, really. Yes. And so the reason for this was due to what many, people, what many of the media in that country are referring to as a parliamentary coup attempt. So on November 9th, last Monday, President Martin Vizcarra was removed from office by the Peruvian unicameral Congress. Unicameral means that they do not have two houses, I do believe. Yeah. They, and it's, it's just one. They don't have a, a house Congress, and a Senate. Right? They just have one of them together. And they voted to impeach him. 
on allegations he took bribes when he was a governor many years ago. Now, back in the day. Viscera is extremely popular among the population since, although he is generally an unaffiliated centrist, he is popular due to his anti-corruption rhetoric and actions, and he's proposed uh, several bills and he's had them passed. Which uh, contradicts what he's being impeached for. Right, the if allegations. He's, if he's corrupt, then why is he uh, proposing bills that are anti-corruption? Right, that are corruption limit, bills, right? Eliminating so, corruption. So, so that's a bit that's a bit iffy there. Right. So he's he supported bills like the anti graft yeah. bills and judicial term limits bills. So he's a real deal. Yeah. He's not just some rhetoric king <laughs> like Trump was when he was running for election the first yeah. time. And uh the the uh Congress is also known to be uh, quite corrupt. Yes, that's that's why he's so popular, because yeah. there is a significant problem with corruption among the governors, the members of Congress, uh, many of the, all the echelons of yeah. the government in Peru. So All the fun shit. Now, that's perhaps why he was impeached, because his anti-corruption policies angered some of the members of Congress, and that action sparked protests, peaceful and violent, continuing for five days straight. I do yeah. believe... For five days straight, these protests happen. Every day since the beginning of since the he was impeachment. impeached. Yes. Yeah, since he was impeached, these protests have been happening. Um, they've been met with extreme uh, brutal uh, response. Response, right? From the riot police, yeah. uh, the UN, and this isn't just according to our opinion. This is no, according to the, is UN, the UN, the Amnesty International, and Peru's human rights ombudsman, which denounced the police's uh, actions. And just to give a, a of course, and, and yes, as and, they should. And just to give uh, an example, on Saturday when 5,000 protesters descended on Lima, the capital of Peru, the hundreds of riot police were deployed with tanks and helicopters. Fucking tanks. Flying over tanks. the streets. I mean, it's like what? Like, th it's not like they're armed or anything, you no. know? 35 uh, journalists uh, have been injured, according to a report from the Committee of Protest Journalists. Over, over 100 people have been injured, and at least uh, and a bunch of people got missing, like 41 people. So 112 people were injured uh, as of November 15th, and at least 41 uh, were still missing. Now Missing. And two dead. Now, two missing... Dead. Two in, confirmed dead. Right, and <laughs> two confirmed kills. Two KO, yeah. And, and so missing is very interesting because in the history of South America, disappearances was a was a tactic that was used by many of the uh, military dictatorships throughout the 60s, 70s, and 80s, which were yep. supported by the United States. And uh, those tactics were, were trained to them by the CIA. So the yep. fact that missing... Well, we're actually going to go into that uh, in a separate uh, Yeah, we might episode. have a special. We yeah, might we're have a going to have a special on that, on that one and going real in-depth about it. Right. So it's just interesting... That that's a number because I haven't heard of people going missing during protests no. in any other uh, metrics. No, like yeah, so that's strange. I don't know about that. And anyways, those two protesters who were murdered were in their early tw males in their early twenties, and they were shot multiple times by police firearms. So this wasn't like a a, a both sides kind of thing. No, I, I I'm not sure if we've seen. I don't have any numbers here for for police that were injured. No. So I I doubt anywhere. <laughs> So as a response to, to all these, as a response to this reaction, the interim president, Manuel Marino, who was the former president of Congress, or the leader of Congress. Yeah, he stepped uh, down, right? He stepped down on Friday yeah. uh, due to these, these protests. Uh, yeah, after five days of protests, he stepped down. And half of his, his new cabinet had already resigned. And, and it's important to note that his new cabinet was very far right wing. 
and had support from the Peruvian Navy. So, and if you look at the history of Peru, this is, this is pertinent because the military often interrupted civilian governments in the past. Yeah, so they would, um, they would counter the democratic process, basically. Right. So put in the person that they wanted. So it's interesting that their that the military's name is brought up in this. Now, of yeah. course, it's not like the military has actually stepped in and done anything, not but yet. it's just that they were supporting. So just want to put that out there. And also something that I noticed is that when I looked at the makeup, the party makeup yeah. of the Congress, looking at what their ideologies were, there are nine parties, specifically nine parties yeah. in the Peruvian Congress, and the only left-wing party was the Broad Front, which is a big tent party for all leftists. Oh, so, so progressives, communists, social democrats. So they, they're all, in, and they only have, out of the 130 seats in the Congress, they only have eight. Okay. Strangely enough, so the, those parties that I mentioned, okay, so one of them was Agricultural People's Front of Peru. The other party, the Union for Peru, yeah. which you would think would be like a far leftist socialist well, as workers unions party. aren't necessarily left or, or right no but they should be <laughs> just okay that's just my opinion uh their political persons are far left on economic issues and yeah. far right for military and social issues <laughs> very interesting <laughs> yeah that's not that's not good that's not good main political home for the of the peruvian ethno casserist Oh, oh no. Oh, this is what oh. I hover over. F.O. Kastner's, this is what comes up. Oh shit. <laughs> so what we're looking at here is when I, when I hovered, now this is just Wikipedia uh, yeah. surfing, but the ethno-caserist, ethno movement, the image that they use, or the flag of ethno-caserist, resembles a, the Nazi swastika, yeah. the flag used by the Nazi party post-1936 with the red with the red flag, with the white circle, and then a, a black symbol in the center. And it's an ethnic nationalist movement seeking the establishment of a proletarian dictatorship led by the country's indigenous communities Oh fuck! and their descendants. It combines far-left economic views, the far-right views, and racial, social, and military issues. So they're, they're, they're basically Nazis, but for the indigenous people. Jesus Christ. That's, that's really weird, man. That's... Uh... Uh, I don't like that. Oh, that gives me shivers, bro. They had a new member, the next one in line, after Manuel Marino stepped down. Yeah. Francisco Sagasti. Francisco Sagasti. That's right, as his new interim president. Okay. And it appears that protests did, did calm down after Manuel Marino stepped down, but they are still, they're still ongoing, perhaps because of the residual effect when you have a the initial issue that causes a protest, and then you have yeah. a police crackdown, usually that causes protests over the police's abuse yeah. to then form. As we saw in Portland, Oregon, after the BLM protest, yeah. much of the residual protests from it were due to police brutality. Yeah. And of course, the police brutality protests, the police continue to be brutal, and that causes things to continue and continue. Escalations. Yes, Peru also continues to fight one of the world's deadliest outbreaks of COVID-19 and one of its worst recessions. Oof. Big oof, oof. on that one, boys. <laughs> we should have laughed about that. People are dying, but... I mean, yes, yeah, that is... It's messed up. It's bad. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah, it's not okay. It's not good. It makes sense they're, why everyone's pissed they're hurting. off. They're hurting over there, right? Yeah, so. hurting. And then the fucking government does something like this. 
similar sort of to what happened in Bolivia. Yep. Where basically they said that the results from the election were fraudulent. Yeah. And then they forced Evo Morales to flee the country. That's fun. That's fun. But That's then, fantastic. But then you know. they had an election recently and the socialist candidate won. And Evo Morales is coming back. Hell yeah. So that's, that's cool. some good news that's, that's that we good. heard for the left movement globally. It seems like that happens a lot, though. Is the socialist or the left-wing candidate um, in these coups are the ones that are taken out. Yeah, no and shit. Re- and replaced with, a, replaced with a right-wing fascist. Piece of shit, yeah. I mean, it's not surprising because that's the levers of power and the main superpower in our world are capitalist. So the next thing we have on the agenda are the Stop the Steal protests that occurred in the U.S. on November 14th. They're also being referred to as the Million MAGA March. Yeah, so it's Trump supporters uh, basically saying that the uh, election was uh, fraudulent and Trump has actually uh, won the election. And they want Trump to be the president. So they're basically protesting the Democratic race that happened if you're counting the legal votes i win if you count the illegal votes then they have a chance to steal it that was according to yeah, that was uh, trump st- himself right yeah he, yeah he came out and made that statement which, which is, is uh kind of ridiculous because no the, that's not how it works yeah they and all of their cases they brought up to the courts i think have been waived they've yep. been basically basically none of his uh, none of the lawsuits that he's uh, come to the courts with have been accepted they've just been uh, put down and so i pulled up this this guardian article that was on it cuz we yep cuz we needed to do some quick information and according to one of these guys that they were interviewing he said quote america is beautiful and america is back so <laughs> i don't know what that it sounds like the means. intro to a fucking like uh, pro america tv show and for those who who aren't entirely or didn't follow the election closely, I'm sure you already know that Trump lost, Biden won, and the actual it is what it is. The That's, electoral everybody knows the electoral vote count was 306 to 232, the exact same electoral vote count that Trump beat Hillary with in 2016. So this it was referred to as a million MAGA march, and some of the videos that I had seen coming out of the coming out of the situation, it, yeah. it looks like. I mean, not to make too drastic of a comparison or to alarm anybody, but it reminded me, because I've been reading up of the history of, of Germany in particular, of the brown shirts the, of the NSDAP, or most people know them Nazis, yeah. uh, after the German elections for parliament and how they were running around the streets beating the crap out of all their political opponents. Yeah. And from the videos that I had seen, it appears that the police were just standing by while they were just brutalizing people. Basically. And according to Police Magazine, over 80% of police officers voted for Donald Trump. Yeah. Which is an interesting metric. So these Trump voters are coming to um, D.C. and are basically uh, committing acts of violence. And there's The a videos video. are crazy. Yeah, the videos are always crazy. The, pro- the protesters are fighting the other protesters and shit. And the fuck, okay, fucking Antifa, man. I, I'm, they should like, show up there more. There wasn't enough that showed up. The counter protest was not large enough. No. Well, how many people are in the anti or the pro Trump protest? I think around eleven thousand was the f- estimate that I saw. Okay, so eleven thousand people across America came in and are uh, participating in that protest. The Antifa guys, I am just going to say, have so much fucking balls protesting uh, 
these Trump uh, supporters because they're uh, carrying weapons. They're threatening people with their weapons and they're still attacked and the Antifa guys are still standing their ground, which is, I think, insane. It is I think insane. that's fucking insane. It is insane. So I guess the whole idea do of that? it, I don't, I don't think I could. The whole idea of it, I get the fuck out of there. Intimidating people is, you know, it's ain't, ain't intimidating Antifa, man. Holy fuck. God, those communists are amazing. So anyways, guys, that's all we had today on the agenda. <laughs> uh, I hope you guys enjoyed our, our premiere episode premiere we had we had a lot of tangents that we went off of we had a little fight in the middle of it no this that never happened that's not going to be in the final podcast i'm going to cut that out that didn't happen why can we everything went smoothly we're (laughs) veterans at doing this and so i hope you guys join us again next time yeah we'll be um we'll be releasing these weekly we hope that's correct and that's the plan at least right now this is only the first one but the plan is to be releasing these weekly uh with um updated stories and mm-hmm. all and maybe that. if it's a special and we'll i don't do, know if we'll, we, if we'll thinking, deviate we might deviate from the schedule for for specials maybe I, I wasn't thinking we would but we we haven't set that in stone we don't have a nothing set in stone yet right so i hope you guys enjoyed yeah uh, your listen and i hope you guys i hope so too. have a great rest of your day or night and you Wh- come back and uh listen to us next week yeah uh do whatever you need to do like subscribe whatever i don't know what uh, service you're using to uh, listen to this uh, through so so anyways uh, do whatever you can that was the that was the canadian perspective that was the canadian perspective and goodbye for now